0: Black
1: People
0: Tell Black History Welcome to another episode of Black People Tell Black History. We are joined with an amazing human being, somebody that I've been following for quite some time and have been very moved by their advocacy around colorism, texturism, featurism, they're comedy they're actually absolutely hilarious and an advocate and an activist for black people black futures black queer people all the things yes mayo please for the few people in the world who do not know you please introduce yourself
2: okay hi y'all okay so my name is mayowa huh? And I am a, I do YouTube, I do Instagram, I do TikTok, but I feel like you really introduced me really well. I really like talking about anti- things under the umbrella of anti-blackness, colorism, featureism, texturism, just all that stuff I'm like really fascinated in. I love discourse. I love chatting. Yay. Yay! Thank you so much for being here.
3: What I also say is, like I acknowledged you before, is that you've been here with doing Black People Tell Black History with us for several yes. years now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I said yeah. to Mel, male, I said, even if it don't seem like it, because people seem to not grasp the concept of colorism, people are really struggling with that either on either end, and people who perpetrate it, people who are the victims of it, I think people are really struggling with this concept. It really, it tricks people up. So maybe sometimes you feel like your work is going to the void or that it doesn't make a difference, but it makes a profound, Difference, you want to, you are one of the foremost voices in this discourse about colorism, texturism, and futurism And I think you, and along with a lot of other black films, are really responsible for making the information about colorism resurgent in our zeitgeist today and on the internet where most people are, where a lot of colorism, futurism and texturism is going on. Yeah, so thank you. I want to give you that acknowledgement and for your work.
0: Yes, Thank of you. course, of
3: course.
0: So something that I, it's not like necessarily, yes, me personally grapple with, I think all of us do, is all the things, texture is under the umbrella of texturism, featureism, and colorism. But I feel like it would be helpful for you to... You don't need to define these things. I hope that people at this level of conversation know what those things are. But I'm curious if you could give us like a contemporary example of where you see this play out all the time. Sometimes I think people think these okay. things are a function of the past too.
3: And if you want to define it, I think you can. Dead, you, can. you can. I don't want to make no session That's about no, where nobody at with this. It's, it's years old.
2: Okay. Okay, so I would describe colorism as the discrimination of dark-skinned people. And I feel like every ism I describe, I'm centering the people who are the most affected by it every time. So texturism is the discrimination of the kinkiest hair type or the, yeah, the most the most kinky, the most black, end quote. And then featureism is also the discrimination of stereotypically black features. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. And I feel like with, with colorism, with all of these things, I feel like you see them in dating, you see them in friendships, you see them when it comes to criminalization is criminalized, how we view good and evil, even things with like constantly using the word dark for bad and good yeah. for light and, and the spiritual implications of darkness being something evil, but then also like kind of being able to zoom out and be like, but well, why? What is that? What did those side effects have when we are like always using these negative words that are also used to describe our complexions? Yeah. And even small things with, like, dark Black cats are the least, like, bought animals. Like, just even stuff, like, if you want to get real, it's
3: just, I guess, the hatred of Blackness in its, like, purest form. Do you think there, and sometimes when I think about colorism, I often, I like how your definition is so centering of who is most marginalized by it. Because I often sort of hear it as the valorization of whiteness or like on a scale or a spectrum who gets closest to white do you think that that's also like a fair rendering of what it is and do you feel like why do you feel this is a silly question i think to ask you but i am interested sometimes in the sillier questions why do you think why do you think colorism exists and how is it distinct
1: Mm, from
3: anti-blackness broadly
2: Hmm. Okay, okay. So, okay, so the reason I always, I, I would agree that it is the valuing of whiteness, but the reason I, I started to say, like, discrimination in dark-skinned people is because when I was, like, living in Nigeria and, like, living in predominantly, or being in predominantly black spaces, when you're saying, like, oh, you're valuing white pers- white people, if you've never seen a white person, it's kind of hard for you to fathom that you are valuing white people, especially if you're not in community with white people. And I feel like the way that it moves in black spaces is a lot more, it's it's, it's how we are seeing ourselves. And I feel like people, if you tell people, oh, you're like valuing whiteness, you are going to be like, no, I don't. I, they could e- You can easily say you don't like white people and still literally like light-skinned skin. Those two things, we've seen that often go in tandem together. But when you say dark skinned people and what comes up when you think of dark skinned people as a black person, I feel like it forces you to actually have to look at the parts that is literally ignored and rendered over. I think it's a, sometimes easier to talk about whiteness because it's kind of a little bit farther than to actually talk about the people who, when you hear dark skin, what comes up, what moves you? And then you had a second question. Yes. Said, what was the, oh, why how, do I think how, it
3: started? Yeah, why is it distinct? Why do you think it started? And why is it, how is it distinct from anti-blackness broadly?
2: Okay. So I would say that I think it starts in the concept of colonialism. I think the act of going into a Black country where predominantly people are dark-skinned, seeing them and demonizing them as evil savages lower than, when it becomes stripped and taken to other places, like that same hatred is what we see played out. Because I feel we talk a lot about colorism through transatlantic descendants of slavery, and that's like a byproduct of white people coming and deciding that Blacks are lower than and i feel like something that i learned when i was living in nigeria seeing the tandem between what's happening in the west and like what's happening on the continent and how like a lot of the same erasures or like hatred of is like all linked under the umbrella of yeah. colonialism like the idea of a foreigner coming and making you feel insecure and inferior about the color of your skin and the complexion being farthest from what their skin looks like. and that's a good
3: point too cuz globally i was reading today about the Shidi people, which is a group of, it's an ethnic group in Pakistan and they are descendants Mm -hmm. of the Bantu peoples, but other groups who Mm -hmm. during the transatlantic slave trade or before then, I mean, African people have been in South Asia for centuries. So, but the interesting thing about the Shidi people is that during some form of slavery in which Arab people fancying themselves, it's just like you said, Arab, they're not thinking of themselves at that moment as white. Mm. They are enslaving people who are darker or they're enslaving people from different ethnic groups and different tribal groups across the continent. And they are bringing those people as slaves into India and bringing them into Pakistan. And they're doing so on the premise, literally, that these people are darker. And so now today, people don't even know that black people exist in Pakistan. You hear somebody say, it's Black people in Pakistan. They're like, no. But that is a direct byproduct and symptom of colorism. So we often I think people think yeah. colorism is Spike Lee movie, School Days, like the good and bad hair. Mm-hmm. I think people mm-hmm. think colorism is like mm-hmm. Nick Cannon and the light skin versus dark skin. I don't mm-hmm. think people think that colorism mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. this global, far-reaching thing yeah. that this ism, this system that it is a, system of oppression I, or that it I don't yeah. think people think about it that way do you feel that way yeah. Why? why do you think that
2: way? yeah I I agree I feel like what really expanded my mind was understanding the how the Arab slave trade made it easier for European colonialism Ooh. to come after and then when you kind of unpack because I remember I was reading documents and Arabs used to from the Arab slave trade they used to refer to them as themselves as white and then the Europeans as pink and then the Africans yeah. as well. So, even this ring of we still know we're not you. And you can still see the descendant, like the, you can still see residuals of the Arab slave trade all over West Africa, all over Central, and especially East Africa, because I feel like yep. that was the people. Absolutely. Who lived in yep. East Africa, yeah. Were the Ethiopia.
3: Were yeah, Ethiopia.
1: <laughs> yes. 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 I mean,
3: yes. they're literally, the, the Sudanese government is a predominantly Arab government. And the some of the roots of the genocide. Of Black African people in Sudan is because they're black. Mm-hmm. It's because 100%. they're dark.
1: These
2: yeah. are Sudanese, 100%. and it's a colorism thing too. Like a lot of the genocides that we're like literally seeing is actually a colorism totally. discourse that people like don't. We, it's funny that well. you bring
0: that up because I we've been. Talking a lot, our, our last podcast. The title, mm-hmm. the full title of it is "From the River to the, to the Sea." Go check it. Yes, go listen to that, where we talk about mm-hmm. how the unfortunately genocides have even been given favor mm-hmm. of which ones we talk about. Right, mm-hmm. there's so much conversation yeah. around. Palestinian, essentially the subjugation of Palestinian people right now, even though the subjugation of Palestinian people has been happening for right. the past hundred years, but still, right yeah. now there's a reason why that is something that people feel like they can have a conversation about versus talking about the Congo or Sudan or Haiti. And that has a lot to do with colorism, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about different yeah races of people but at the same time there's something very there's something in the brain that goes a palestinian looks like this and a sudanese person looks like this and a lot of that is is moving people's feet on in in terms of liberation movements and I we see that even within the black panther party i mean there is a reason why angela davis has been exalted as this person who wasn't even was like really peripherally in the Black Manther Party. Yeah. And we and people don't even know Asada Shakur's name. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a reason why those two are yeah. right? there's a reason why Angela Davis has been given essentially huge college tours, is a professor in a lot of these spaces and is not is contested, yes, 100 percent but gets a lot of access to white space. And it don't come for me, Angela Davis has actually talked about this too. So yes. I think it's important mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for light-skinned people in general to be talking about this. But what I see a lot of the time is a resistance from light-skinned folks and people getting upset. I see this as somebody yeah. who used to live in Puerto Rico, where people are like, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm not anything. I'm just Puerto Rican. It's like, no, it's actually race yeah. here too. And you're you're not just Puerto Rican, right? And this idea of brown, and I just feel like, I feel like brown is a conversation inside of colorism as well, Mm -hmm. to really, again, the the whole like pink and separating yourself. But my question to you is, Mm -hmm. what is the, what do you think is the root of the resistance to colorism? Folks saying, oh, there's reverse colorism and I got chastised mm-hmm. when I was, because li- I'm light-skinned and people made fun of me because I was light-skinned to essentially mm-hmm. to diminish any dark or darker-skinned person talking about their systemic mm-hmm. subjugation within the structure of colorism. So what, what are your thoughts about that other than it, it frustrates the fuck out of me, but what do you think?
2: I mean, I think it's directly learned from the oppressor. I feel like something I think about is if you tell a white person, "I don't believe you should be writing books on Black people," they'll just be like, "But what is it about me? Like, what what I lived there, I did this." Like, they certainly want to justify why they should be able to take up space. And I think the same thing happens when you're in positions of privilege like you because also it is because and I think it actually speaks to privilege right you're so comfortable in this space that the idea of something slightly shifting you triggers you and it makes you really angry because black trans people are not going to go into a black trans not going to go into a, a cis uh headspace and be like I I'm dominating this because they know that they are yeah. already on the fringes like every single time like when I went to Ansar's protest for Nigerians as a queer person I didn't feel like I could take up space because I feel like I already know that mm-hmm. I'm on the fringes. Like my my positionality here is I'm not really wanted yeah. at the core. I'm just trying to be here. But I feel like when you believe you are the center, you can't accept that another group has another experience that literally directly pushes up against the privileges because i think that when people start to reflect on the privileges they have they'll start to reflect on the position and the space that they take up and the space is oftentimes linked to money because the time that you see people get the most inflamed about their privilege and power is often when it comes to Mm -hmm. how they make their money if i'm saying to you why are you like as a light-skinned person why do you feel like you should be the leader of this authority they're going to push back because it's like i i need to be here because it's directly linked to my money. It's directly linked to how I've created it's more I feel like people care more about creating the brand than about the actual politic of Mm. freeing people and I also think people can only see as far as their own intersection Mm. can go Something that I was having a discussion with a, a dark-skinned person recently and we were talking about how like there should be more there was like an image of deep dark-skinned people and they were like, look at all these beautiful dark skinned people. And there and then somebody was like, Well, I feel like they're too dark. Like whatever happened to dark skinned people that are on the lighter spectrum. And I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, can you imagine that your your privilege ends like you want it at this color, yeah. my color? You don't want people yeah. who are... But I'm like, if darker people are more represented than me, I am getting freedom mm. by proxy. If you have a deep, dark-skinned person as like the image or as being poured or adorned into, I would win because they are going to experience more marginalization than me. So why... But it's not... You don't want everyone to win. You want mm-hmm. yourself to win. and I, you, you just kind of see each layer. I'm sure we all see, even within the queer community, you'll see somebody who will be like, oh, I'm cool with... Uh, lesbians but I don't like trans people and it's but that like literally that could liberate yeah. you but you only want yourself do you just want to get
3: yourself yep. door and close that yep. door really yes. yep. I really think good. and I think that's the thing is like even in like you said the queer community as an example like black trans women need to be at the center and need to be taking up space in these cis whereas these cishet people dominate. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with colorism where if darker skinned people are not at the center are not um being employed or are not being you know what i'm saying like are not in your ad campaign not in your ad campaigns that's another thing where it's like the corporatization of all of this where it's, well if, if mm-hmm. i got you sephora got your skin color down got the dark skin tone on the foundation well, that's right that's it you know what i'm saying <laughs> but, but sephora is like the ceo of sephora is, they white because white people what's the misconception that what are some of the common misconceptions that people have about colorism, one of the ones that I'm thinking of is that it's just endemic to the black community. The black American community and don't nobody mm-hmm. is black Oh my oh, god, that's people. the worst. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's talk about it. What so what what are your thoughts on that and then lead us and hate the, when people say some of your, you know, common some of those common misconceptions you come across about colorism. That's a big one.
2: I mean, I feel like when people say, Oh, white people see this see us all the same. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. You got, like I just feel like it's people just start saying the most wild things mm-hmm. to justify it because they mm-hmm. created it. They they mm-hmm. literally they are the mastermind of it. Also AI, if you like, I don't know if you will ever try and go through your like mm-hmm. explorer page. It will be light skin mm-hmm. by default. If you type if you type in like a black if you type in four C hair or freeform locks, the first images will always be a light skin person, and then you will start to see people who are mm-hmm. like darker towards the end. So even AI has picked up on that dark skin is not as that light skin is more of a sales selling element right so to say that it's uh, white people can't see the difference they are very much so aware Mm -hmm. of the difference they created the difference they in every way when it comes to slavery when it comes to favor who you want to favor ties or who you feel like you can slightly see yourself more in the farther i am from whiteness the more i'm going to be the harder Mm. it's going to be for me so i feel like that's a that's a misconception that people have about colorism and also i think Discussions about colorism is difficult when it comes to gender discussions as well because I feel like the people who are who suffer the most from colorism are people who are either women or people who are performing fem when you perform femininity that is when as a dark skinned person that is when mm. you're going to see the most pushback mm. within colorism because the concept of performing femininity masculinization is masculineness is always like dark skin mm-hmm. is always masculinized mm. So in some ways, there's a little bit of a blanket. But there's also a a suppression and a Mm -hmm. suffering within that. Because constantly being seen as strong as a dark-skinned person is its own thing. But when you try to go to femininity, that's when you're going to, like, Mm -hmm. see that, like, pushback. And even in queer spaces, like, I remember when I started dating and somebody was like, yeah, I always kind of feel like you were, like, more masculine or a stud. And it's like, where where are you? It's always interesting when I'm like, where Mm -hmm. are y'all getting this? What about me is... Is making you feel like I'm masculine or I'm a more masculine person. In a sense. I,
0: I'm, I'm I'm so happy that you brought up it, colorism in queer spaces because I think a lot of times it's left out in this assumption that because we're queer and trans that we have arrived at the I don't know the mountaintop of of, of racial and social justice mm. and it's so far from the truth. And living in Brooklyn and being in Brooklyn queer space, so much of Brooklyn Black queer spaces have revolved around like a light-skinned clique, right? Mm-hmm. Like, literally, yes. like, those are the people who would be at the front of the lines of the party. Those are the people who would be in all the pictures from the party. Mm. Yes, the those are the folks that mm-hmm. people desired. And also, those are the people who got to experiment mm-hmm. with their gender and be affirmed in their gender right, as opposed to folks who yep. are dark-skinned. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. And then also desire. I mean, again, I think people think that yeah. we're involved as queer people and it is so far mm-hmm. from the truth. Like, the uh, the desirability politic is lacking in <laughs> Black queer spaces. Yeah. I'm trying to think, where my what where does my question and from this? Have I feel like, have, that. oh, 100% since that people have that, but I feel like it's we I feel like we talk about cishet people having that and not necessarily talk about yes. queer people that yeah yeah I agree and i think that people think that cuz i remember
2: when i started to be in the queer scene i kind of thought that stuff would be lifted same. off of me like i i felt like it would be like a liberatory thing but then i saw it was the exact mm-hmm. it was like the mm-hmm. same but slightly different and i also feel like in, you will see people who are like leading discourse on like i think as a dark skin person or someone who if you have any marginalization that becomes masculinized which like yeah. fat people get that dark can people mm-hmm. get that disabled yeah. people like there's certain kind of like masculinization yeah. that happens to certain people your relationship to how you actualize your gender is going to be completely different and what affirms you in that gender would also be completely different to people whose gender is automatically seen mm-hmm. as more feminine yeah. feminine you know because you're because then you're going to be cloaking on your masculinity versus trying to fight up against something that people are like yeah. innately putting yeah. on you that's really restrictive yeah. And so I feel like in the queer scene, like, I'm just, I'm surprised that there isn't more discourse about how colorism impacts how we see our gender and, like, what what makes us feel affirmed in our gender as, like, a dark-skinned person or someone who is naturally masculinized
1: because... Yeah,
0: we can't get away from... Whiteness being a part of our conversations, even in gender justice, even in yeah. gender realizations, right? It's still whiteness as the foundation, yeah, as the, the the marker of what we need to achieve. When we are literally still up against so much, that's the reason why I'm a non-binary femme, not just non-binary. Mm. That's intentional because so many people will masculinize Same. me as non-binary and not affirm the femme aspect. So. This is, I don't know, this is a healing
3: conversation for me, I feel like. Well, I think the nationalization also happens in the treatment. Oh, 100%. In, in, in the, and how dark-skinned people, especially dark-skinned femmes, are treated. Absolutely. Where it is like, mm. you are it's not just that they are, like, not affirming your gender or your gender mm-hmm. expression. It's that they people will, like I said, handle you roughly. Mm-hmm. Or think because, oh, you're dark-skinned yeah. you are strong, like you said, male or that. You can handle this or you can take this or that you're not worthy of some type of porcelain treatment that you would see a light-skinned film get Yeah, oftentimes. So I think, I mean, even me as an AFAB person, transgender person, but as an AFAB person growing up, I asked my cousin, I said, well, how do I get girls? Like, how do I, as I'm coming into being a baby (laughs) queer, how do I get girls? My cousin had just came out to me, who's, she's like 10 years older than me. And she was like, you gotta become a stud. And I didn't never feel like i stud unbeknownst to me at that time I was just trans. So that's <laughs> what i, mean. I don't feel like. Stud, I'm trans, but I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't. know that at the time. I knew it, but I didn't. I couldn't yeah, say. I didn't, didn't have the words. I for it. didn't have the words for it. Yeah. I knew my whole life that I was a trans person, but the way that I was treated is always this. I don't fit into. i, I even in androgyny. Even as I'm like a person who's not a or not a stud. I'm being looked at during those days. This is 2003, 4, 5. This is a time where ain't nobody talking about colorism. Don't nobody want to be dark skinned. It's not fun for dark skinned people mm-hmm. during the early 2000s, right? Yeah, It's not, it is depending on who you hang out with or how you were raised, but or the context in which you were raised. But on the broad societal spectrum, it wasn't this celebration that you kind of quasi see now. Of like you said, people are saying, oh, look at these beautiful dark-skinned people. I've never had that happen to me where somebody's, oh, you're beautiful. Like that was never, never. but it was mainly like, are you a girl or a boy? Or Mm -hmm. are you, or, you know, I used to have one of my good friends was really light-skinned, kind of racially ambiguous, but not really. Um, but she was mixed and people used to always think we went out. And she was like, every time somebody sees us together, they'll always message her and be like, who's that dark-skinned girl that you're with?
1: Wow. Mm-hmm.
3: And that's why that will be a marker for me all the time for wow. people. It's dark skin. Even as, mm. I, as I said, I came into my film awakening. This is when Erica met me in the middle of it. Wearing <laughs> dresses and shit. You know, just experimenting. You know, just experimenting. You know how I like to you, you did it. But I'm still being looked at. It's like, the, when I try to express that femininity, there was no acknowledgement of it. Yeah, It was almost like I'm mm. doing something that is anathema to femininity by me mm. trying to do it by, by a dark-skinned mm-hmm. person, a fat person, a black dark-skinned person, trying to embody that for myself. It's just like when you think about slavery where black women, they were not seen as women. They had to literally fight to be called
1: mm-hmm.
3: women, yeah. even mm-hmm. if they identified that way. Some of them mm-hmm. didn't even identify mm-hmm. that way. But there was this corner that white women had on womanhood. It's still, it's still,
0: that's still to this day. That hasn't gone. I
3: know. That hasn't gone. Yeah. We see
0: that in maternal mortality rates. Not that all birthing people, people are women that walk into hospitals, but there's a reason why we are walking into hospitals to give birth and not walking out. Mm-hmm. Right. And that has a lot to do with mm-hmm. the racialized notions of womanhood and us not being regarded as the the daintiness and deserving of tenderness. But anyway, white women don't get that either, but that's a different workshop. A <laughs> different conversation, I think. You mentioned the corporatization mm. of essentially colorism and texturism. I think that obviously these corporations are watching us talk about these things mm-hmm. and then they find the most curly-headed, 2C, light-skinned i think actually this is really perfect i was looking at pictures of zendaya right zendaya i don't know if they have a movie coming out or something mm-hmm. but every time there is some sort of fashion week i think it's in paris or london right now zendaya is everywhere mm-hmm. and i just think do people see colorism and featureism and texturism working on them right now right it, mm-hmm. it just I like mm. this exalting of this person who's also very thin, able-bodied about everything. And I was looking at Zendaya's outfit like, I don't really think it gives that money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't really think it's
0: yeah. that so, fly. Yeah, so the question is like, how do these corporations essentially work on us and play games with us mm. with kind of like to, to shut us up?
2: Yeah, I mean, what I was gonna say when you're talking about people always holding Zendaya to like a high standard, I was gonna say some of the worst Dan cultures will either be by white, will like to defend white mm-hmm. or light skinned people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I was thinking about this, like, who does Normani have a stand? Like people who are willing to fight and kill for Normani, the way they're going to do that, if you talk about Cardi B or Nicki Minaj or I Spice, like, you know, I think that it's also mm. defending that. I think the same way they ride hard for these artists, they're really they're riding hard to protect their desirability and to protect and to protect them. Because I was just thinking, I'm like, do y'all know any dark-skinned person that has a fit, fa- like a stan culture, fan base the same ways no. as the other people? Because the only people I know, like they just it never goes toe to toe to the same thing. I was
0: going to say Megan the
3: Stallion. It,
0: it, nah. It, but the thing is, I mean, but Megan, you know, more brown, more brown, yes, but I, you know, But then I also was going to yeah. say, I mean, Megan the Stallion was shot, and enough people got to say.
3: I'm but to, say, to deny, that's, it. I'm saying, yeah, yeah. It if, if Beyonce yeah. was ever it shot, I don't think that. anybody
0: would be denying. I think we all would be on our knees praying or some shit. Like, in- <laughs> <laughs> we <don't> <laughs> no, we don't want anybody to get shot. But then, I'm just mm-hmm. saying that there's, it's right what you're saying. Yeah, it's totally right, totally right. Yeah, it's a
3: very, very yeah. good point. How do you see colorism show up in people? I think the hardest part is seeing it. It's seeing it in all the systems and structures. Yes, but. The, our earliest forms is in our interpersonal relationships, our earliest forays or intros mm. to it as dark skinned people. Can you talk more about that and just like how that has played a part in your life and how inter, how, how it shows up interpersonally and friendships and families and things like that?
2: hmm. I mean, I feel like the way I feel like the interpersonal is like the, the deepest is the one that kind of hurts mm-hmm. the most or it has the ability to be the most mm-hmm. impactful. I feel like for myself, I had to really like around 2020, 2019, when I started making colors and content, I started to I really had to step back and analyze my relationships to my light skinned friends and just kind of realize what role mm-hmm. I was playing in their lives. Like I had one friend in particular who I was always the the guard dog, as in like the defender and the person who hustled the most in our friendship to constantly be there. And I remember they had said like, they were in a really abusive relationship. And when they were in an abusive relationship, they had said something that was really colorist. And it hurt my feelings. But you know, I also was trying to still look at their big relationship and defend them. And when they got out of the relationship, it had really hurt me. And then my therapist was like, you should still bring that up to her. And then when I brought it up to her, she said, I was waiting for you to bring that to me. And I remember it was like a really big mind blowing thing for me where I'm like, you knew that that you remember this moment and you were sitting on it and you wanted me to present this to you because you knew it was uncomfortable for you. You know, even that discomfort of knowing that I would said something but you know I'm going to bring it up because I'm the person who has to be more vocal. I'm the yeah. person who has to communicate more and advocate yeah. more. And that was a relationship I had to really let go because I realized that it was really one-sided. And I also became aware of how my... Because I also, to that friend, also didn't like to watch my content.
1: No. And just kind
2: of reflecting on being like, but why? No. Have to have to that. Not because it's, no. <laughs> it's about me, but it's you're not actually... It's a continuous work. So what work are you actively doing to constantly unlearn colorism and what does it mean for me to always be in proximity to somebody who is adorned and treated completely different than me like at every at every pushing moment and then i have another friend and she's light-skinned and she's someone who really has always kept pushing and will reach out to me first and will be really aware to keep um being conscious of how she takes up space and how she shows up and just seeing how like they've gone two different ways and how that impacts me and just also being more conscious around trying to have dark skinned friends who I do feel safe around and who I know will protect me that I am not like going into the space of being like, I have to look out for all of my friends, but if something happens to me, I don't know if I'm going to receive the same, the same energy. And also having dark skinned friends made me start to feel more confident about expressing colorism in a really mm. free up yeah. space. You know, a lot of my ideas came from being like, are you feeling like, it's hot in yeah, here. Like, are you burning in this inferno of yeah. hell right now? You know? And then also being like, I, I'm i not going to, now I'm at a place where I will never limit what I will say to people. I'm going to come as the same person every time and the person who I'm with has to always hold space for all of, for everything and constantly check in with like, even to small stuff with like, my partner, I am really conscious to, like sensitive to yeah. media consumption. So if I'm like watching yeah. a lot of media that has like really terrible depiction of dark skin people, it starts to really affect yeah. my like self-esteem mm. and how I feel about myself. My partner like will create like a database of like movies that are like with dark skin leads and like trying to do the work of this is hey this is a movie you can watch when you're feeling down or if you're feeling kind of like upset or angry about about colorism like this is you know having media that I can see be seen in and just like also being aware to check it in real time if we see it in a movie or if we see it in media I want someone to also say it out loud because it makes me feel like am I just living in this hell I hate that I'm always the one speaking up. So I've just had more people who have been more vocal and that's helped my own like.
0: Yeah, that's skills. wonderful. That's I really love awesome. how you connect how colorism is insidious and also how it is casual. Like the story that you told about your friend, I think sometimes people are looking for these structures to be like, I hate your skin, right? Or I hate your hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and I hate yeah. my nose. But it is so much more sneaky than that. It it does really look like asking for hella labor from your dark skinned friend. It does look like not checking on your dark skinned friend, assuming that they're fine and or only reaching out to them when you need something. Right? The mammification yeah. is is very present. This is ooh oh that was just yeah you were speaking directly to our spirits. Yeah. Like very, <laughs> very much so. And,
3: yeah, I feel, yeah. and I even had a I, I rush to defend black people all the time I really have you really do rose-colored glasses and I say, <laughs> you know because Eric was like you know yeah because you know this is something that our community is black people who are really dealing with and I'm like wait a second I don't want to frame it that way because we're victims of colorism I <laughs> we are you know this, I, I wanted to be on Mr. Charlie I want to be on white people <laughs> that that they created it so we need mm-hmm. to constantly frame it as a mm-hmm. white creation that white people are imposing upon us. And while that is true, I do realize that it becomes very hurtful, like you said, where Black people are doing this to one another. So my question to you is, how do we stop it? (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. How do we how do we make space for the fact that, yes, white people created this, this is something that they do. They do it to each other as well, mm-hmm. getting tanned and all that type of shit. And they do some weird mm-hmm. stuff, like who's the most tanned and I was like, they do some weird stuff. But how do you then hold space for the fact that there are even dark-skinned black people that's like, I don't like me, I don't like you, because mm-hmm. you are also dark-skinned or I'm not gonna hang out with you or mm-hmm. I'm gonna treat you a certain type of way, but when a light skinned person mm-hmm. who's also in my life do the same thing that you do, they're gonna get a pass. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You're gonna get
3: the gavel. Exactly. They're gonna get a pass. We mm-hmm. know where it comes from. But how do we deal with that? How does, how does one deal with that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I I feel like the reason that colorism is like, really an isolating experience is because I feel like you can't even trust that people who look like you will side with you. Because as we said with the whole Zendaya thing, we have trained people to really defend and look after a certain people and completely dispose of others. So even when I meet a dark skinned person, I'm not gonna be like, wow, they will speak up for me like I am speaking up for myself. But I do think that there was a somebody had said the other day they were talking about white a white person who had been exposed of having like a racist past. And the dark skinned person was like I see you guys are caring a lot about when white people have a racist past, but someone having a colorist past is also like a really, you know, why don't we also like focus it on our own community and think, well, who has a colorist past? And then the light skin person was like, I mean, I've been colorist in my past, but it's nowhere near being racist. And I was thinking to myself, isn't that wild for you to, you don't even experience this Mm -hmm. oppression So how can you say that it doesn't feel the same? Because sometimes being hurt by your own community Mm -hmm. feels even worse than being hurt hurt by. I'm not saying that it it has the same systemic impact, but it fucking hurts. So like downplaying Mm -hmm. it. And I think that I don't feel like enough dark skinned people have the space or are actualized enough in their own experiences to be. I feel like there has to be like a big grieving Mm -hmm. moment before there's even like a concept of a solution because I don't think enough people are actualized in the pains that they feel and the space that they hold and the way that it shows up in every day. I think that they just think that's what they're supposed to carry. I think even small stuff with, sometimes when I see dark skinned people take pictures with a light skinned person, there'll be like small things where they'll just step slightly mm-hmm. behind them. You know what I mean? To frame yeah. them in a, in a, in a TV. way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like small things, mm-hmm. yeah, even on TV. <laughs> Or like you or if there's someone there and you're like someone you're interested in someone and the, another person who's interested in them, you might just be like, I'm going to fall back. I'm just not going to put myself in these dynamics, not because it, and it's not an insecurity thing like this insecurity thing is putting blame on the individual when it's literally a collective issue. Right, because nobody wants to collectively band together and like actually see about uplifting dark skinned people. And I I don't really know because I feel that everything is connected. I feel that the genocides and the hardships and the colonialism that you see on the continent is directly connected to the reason why dark-skinned people are not able to feel desirable mm-hmm. and beautiful. It's related to why the small, like the little a four-year-old will say that a, a white person or a light-skinned person is more mm-hmm. pretty than they are. It's related to why we don't mm-hmm. like our hair textures. It's related to why we hate African spirituality, and but we can shit on African spirituality, but then really uphold Abrahamic mm-hmm. ones. I really do think every, literally everything is like totally. a web of connection. So I, because I do believe colorism and colonialism are just like, they're like mm-hmm. mirroring each other. So I think that the solution is like wildly Far away, but I do feel like in terms of actualizing how we feel and holding space. I remember something that I always remember my mom talking to me about. We used to talk a lot about reparations and what does that look yeah. like in the Black community. Because my mom used to always be like, you know, there's so many Africans who are in po- politics today that were directly linked to selling people. And I, and she's like, I believe it have to have an atonement. Like I just don't. It can't. It can't just be. It has to be. We have to have something with all Black people. We're all together. And she's like, I think that there needs to be some kind of circle where you are directly seeing the people who have done this to you, like you're, you have a Ooh, name, a so you have a list and like you say mm-hmm. how you feel in a circle, like some kind of thing where it's like, it feels every, like mm-hmm. the rage is there for one day. The, you know, kind of also how we do grieving mm-hmm. in African, like a lot of African homes you do a day of mourning where everyone's crying and screaming. And then the next day will be something like, I think there be something like that with how we like in small community groups with like processing mm-hmm. that, because I think a lot of dark skin people have unrecognized rage and discomfort that they just accepted as mm-hmm. always carrying, that they really need to, like, release and see that it isn't yeah. theirs to carry. And then we also need to hold the people who have been harming them yeah. accountable and decenter those people as always being, like, literally at the center point. Because it's not healthy to always be thinking you're the most no. desirable. It's not healthy to always be thinking mm. you are the center. Yeah. It's, it's mm. fucking weird to be able to take up so much space your entire life. I don't think mm. that's normal so either. You yeah.
3: look. It's so nothing but a word.
0: That's nothing
3: but a word. Y'all need to go back and rewind. Yeah. I want to go back and rewind. You need to go back and rewind (laughs) that two minutes or so. Yes. I think it's so important and so significant. (laughs) It woke my game up. I reached for a solution. I'm I'm a I'm a very macro person of like, okay. I think black liberation should happen. I think black people should have reparations. I don't. I feel like colorism is going to be an impediment to, as well as transphobia, I think. Transphobia and colorism and homophobia are the big three that will, say in Black liberation, we were close to it, we won't achieve it Mm -hmm. with the existence of those three Mm -hmm. isms Mm -hmm. in our community. Mm -hmm. If we don't get rid of that, but then I get worried because I'm like, how can I entrust a cis-het person without being homophobic or transphobic? in their everyday lives and how just simply how can I interest a light-skinned black person or even a dark-skinned black person whose color is to no longer be I, I don't like you just said it's, there's a lot of grieving there's a lot of realizations that light-skinned people must have that knee-jerk of that auto-generated like Erica talks about that inherited thought that I'm better because I'm light-skinned or that I'm light-skinned and that doesn't have anything to do with anything you hear ice spice and some of these other rappers said, Oh, I don't. I, suppose, I think when she, mm-hmm. they talked to her about pretty privilege because of her being light skinned, she said, That's not something I'm involved in. <laughs> Which I don't know what. I love how people from the ground talk. I don't understand that, but I get it. I understand what she was saying. But it's like, She said, I'm not involved in it. And I would love if that actually meant I'm not. <laughs> I would love if it actually meant that, but I took a take it the that that's not true.
0: But you, you <laughs> are,
3: yeah, you are cause you can't even see how you benefit from color. No, you, you can't see it. You, you want to. You, you can't that see. The your people you're collaborating with, the people you're upholding on your albums, like, are you, are they dark-skinned? So all the dark-skinned rappers that exist, and especially dark-skinned femme rappers that exist that are not put on the same level. Same amount of talent, if not more, and are not put on the same level as a lot of. Or some shit like that. So, and Ice Spice, I'm
0: sorry, Ice Spice is lightweight, lay low hanging fruit. What? Is, what very is much- people's gap resistance to talking about Beyonce? What the the way way that I've talked about, I've critiqued Beyonce and Solange on Twitter. Shouldn't I have done that? I've learned my lesson. Mm -hmm. But in any any (laughs) capacity, even when I talk about critique Beyonce in my own goddamn house, people have had issues with that. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about like people have had visceral reactions to talking about Beyonce. What what has happened? I, I I am I am. I am concerned, honestly, because it does feel like, Mm. again, stand culture, but it feels like programming of brains that people are unwilling to talk about the fact that this person has been put on a pedestal due to how they look. Sure, they're talented, but they're not more talented than a lot of dark skin artists. Jasmine Sullivan, Fantasia. I mean, These are folks that are not exalted in the same way. And I'm just curious to your thoughts on on this. I feel like we, when we talk about colorism, we probably need a moment about (laughs) Beyoncé. Yeah,
2: I mean, I completely agree with that. I I actually think that she symbolizes something like at the Mm. epicenter of that. And I think that because I feel like a lot of light skin artists who are mainstream, in my opinion, are not that talented. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they're just not. I think they're mediocre and then they're light skinned mm-hmm. and then that's success. But I think Beyonce is someone who's talented mm-hmm. and she's light skinned. And I think those two things together creates people to see you as yeah. a God. And I think that's what, that's exactly the positionality that she has, especially when you think about the power of a white Jesus or like a light skinned person being this like ethereal know all. Also seen as closer and spiritual uprising like a lot of symbolizes like i think that people project themselves Mm -hmm. onto her and i also have a theory that like every black person has been in some way like programmed to project themselves onto a light-skinned person as themselves like they like see themselves as like a light-skinned person like because that's all we see as like in media like every single day we're like inundated with Becoming so, each of us have our own little light skin person
0: that we see ourselves as, and I think that a lot of people's light skin person is beyond that. Skin. Is it's almost I, I think of that as like body dysphoria. Like mm-hmm. I think of my body as much thinner mm-hmm. than it actually is. So I think that I think like feel like that's similar to what you're saying. Like I think of myself as much lighter than what I may look, or that I feel like my features are more yeah. uh, closer to European looks, or that my hair is blowing in the wind like some white girl would like right. long
2: and blonde
0: Damn.
2: and then i also feel like with the technology things are naturally like filters are naturally lighter lighting us slendering yeah. our noses this is all still fueling this idea that we are getting closer to this light-skinned person in our head or this or this white person in our head of who we're supposed to really be i think a lot of people feel like i'm supposed to be beyonce yeah yeah, yeah. and i
3: think it's so important i think my last question to you, because we could just keep. I mean, I know I'm meditating, I'm ruminating very deeply. This on conversation that has been said. so rich. And when I was younger, I, I i it's like an auto-generated defense mechanism that you have in the, that I have. I think most of us have in defending light-skinned people or defending white.
1: Mm-hmm. And even as somebody mm-hmm. as quote-unquote
3: radical as I've been and brought up in a radical space in Oakland and my home and everything, Oakland is incredibly colorless, <laughs> even though. We are the home of uh, the Black Panther. Colorism is alive Rapid. and well. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't even get to poverty. and co- we, It's so much, Mel, that you are, we those connections that you're weaving, mm-hmm. like the way that these genocides are occurring and who cares about them mm-hmm. um, based on who is being victimized and all of these things being so selected for us by that little white cis man mm-hmm. on our shoulder, like a little devil. Mm-hmm. on our shoulder it just brings up so so much what would you say to people whose auto-generated inherited knee-jerk reaction is to say well you just hate light skinned people or <laughs> you just hate white people that is a dumbass ass question but or I'm- you're
0: just trying to be white because you have Blonde hair, or because you got a nose job, or because you, I don't know anybody that's making their lips smaller, but whatever. Maybe you remove the little fat from your face. Mm-hmm. That's usually mm-hmm. the, well, you're trying to be white because you straighten your hair, or because you relax it, or Which whatever. Which is also like, mm-hmm. yeah. so, <laughs>
3: what, what the- do you say to those disparate audiences?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm at a place where I'm. I'm in a liberatory space where I'm like, if you can hear the words coming out of my mouth and misconstrue it to hate, then, babe, like, maybe, (laughs) you know know what I mean? Because it's like, I'm not even, like, I'm not going to try. Like, maybe your intuition is correct. Because it's like, if you can hear everything and all you're seeing is like, she hates us, (laughs) then it's like, it ain't nothing I can say that's going to make you feel good. Maybe I hate you. You know like think and sit with that sit with what that yeah. means in your body what does that mean to you if I do? Mm-hmm. what what can I because the truth is what can I do with that if I if mm-hmm. I did what can I do can I call up Netflix and tell them to not hire another uh, mixed race person as a star lead in a TV mm-hmm. show no I can't can I call mm-hmm. up Beyonce and, and say we need to have more dark skinned people on mm-hmm. the stage no I can't can I tell people to start paying attention to what's going on in Congo and listen to dark skinned people who are actually speaking about their oppressors no, I can't. So, what systemic power do I have to hate you, other than making you feel uncomfortable?
3: Last question.
1: No more questions. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Last <laughs> one.
3: What are some? You are a part of the resistance movement to to colorism. Would you say? I you mean, are, I hope I you am. Are. I try we, to you, we put you as the head. What are some ways? <laughs> <laughs> what are some ways that you see? And who some people that you look to that are really resistant and combating this shit on a big level?
2: Okay, I would say I really like Darkest Hue. I really like Mm -hmm. Amber Abundance. I feel that the way that she's able to tie things together Mm -hmm. is really incredible. I like y'all's
0: platform.
2: I think y'all do so much
0: work. I think y'all do so yeah, much. I got to work happening. on my Beyonce stuff. And, and Beyonce stuff, and Ebony got 2C hair, and, and he's in the room. I'm trying to get more interested <laughs> in texturism. Not, look at this. It's no resistance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning more about texturism. I'm in a learning space. Yes.
2: I feel like there's more people who I'm, like, forgetting, but there's quite a few people. And I always say, too, like, even within the colorism discourse, There are people who are literally like deep dark skin. There are people who are, you know, even South Sudanese people's impact in colorism or or dark skin like Ethiopian people who get erased. Like those are also people who I constantly look towards because there's there's something that I could also be missing in their experiences, especially when people have different combinations of being fat or being disabled and being dark skin. There's just so many combinations of Mm intersections that I could never could never hit. So I feel like anybody who literally has those intersections and is dark skin, like, I'm... All yeah. Of, everybody. Yes.
0: Well, this has just been a treat. A treat? Really true. Like, I feel healed in my spirit. You are so, so brilliant, and I hate any of the trauma that you had to go through to understand that and get to this point, which is oftentimes us experiencing a lot of trauma and then trying to figure it out, and then mm. now we are, like just beacons of light. And I don't think people acknowledge enough how much we have to go through sometimes to get through to this point, but also what we continue to go through and mm. navigate and our, uh, navigating our own, our own white cis man on our shoulder. Yeah. So where can people mm. find your work so they can go and follow you and support you and do all the things?
2: Okay, so I'm on YouTube, and my name is the same on all platforms, so it's just Myowa's World, M-A-Y-O-W-A-S-W-O-R-L-D on Instagram. I don't really use nah, Facebook as well. I I mean, like yeah, my Yeah, Ebony is Facebook, the only Facebook. person
0: on Facebook. Sometimes.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. TikTok. I like TikTok. TikTok
3: is fun, and yeah. My and we'll Patreon have the link to all of oh, that yes. in the description of this episode, so y'all can support, 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 and pay for. Yes. Pay for. Pay for. us work it is truly truly liberatory when Andre 3000 wore the now infamous suit and said why do darker people across the world are, are some of the most oppressed or whatever it said mm-hmm. i don't even think he probably understood yep. that that was a colorism <laughs> conversation my husband understood my husband understood. <laughs> <All> <laughs> of, colorism is all across the globe from latin america to from every fucking continent I, how many of them is seven yes good job it's on all <laughs> seven continents colorism yes. exists yes so you are we are all fighting a formidable foe and i feel so heartened that you exist male not just on some fighting colorism shit but so that you can have a life free of all those constraints so that you get to enjoy. It don't just have to be a strug yeah. for us. You get to actually have dark skin people. we get to have pleasurable lives. You know what I'm saying? We deserve that. But thank you so much for all that you, you've done to help us with this. Yes. Thank you. We
0: appreciate you. And, and yeah, take care of yourself. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all too.
2: And all that you guys have done to constantly pour into the community for what, like six,
3: this six is eight, se- years, eight years, mm-hmm. yeah. eight <laughs> years. Eight years. Thank you. It's been a long time. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And send us your number so we can have your number. Yes, we'll
0: stop the recording so you don't put your okay. number in the <laughs>